Good morning, Knife Journal Podcast listeners! Well, I quit my job down at the car wash, left my mama a goodbye note. By sundown, I left Kingston with my guitar up on my coat. And welcome to episode number 57! I'm here yeah. with Kyle, and we are ready to rock it! Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't get any less excited today. <clears throat> yeah, uh, fairly wi- fairly uh, wired. <laughs> you are anyway. <laughs> I know it. I am. I had an interesting night. Uh, two good podcast topics in the middle of the night. The first, I woke up, uh, but we've been watching watching De- uh, Walking Dead lately. Woke up in the middle of the night and thought, well... What would happen, like, what would I do if uh, if that actually happened tomorrow? That exact thing. And so that, we can talk about that later. And then the other thing that happened was uh, yesterday I was working in the shop and my iPod died. And uh, there was no hope for it. It was I got the red X of death. Uh, and Apple says there's nothing they can do. So at 4 in the morning I woke up and I said, I know what I can do with my iPod. And I immediately went to my firing range and put it out at 50 feet and shot it with my 44 Magnum and took a video. So hopefully I'll up. earn enough uh, money on the clicks from that to buy a new one. <laughs> blew, blew it up. Yeah. Blew it up. Well, I'll share it for you. Yeah. I am I'm, uh, missed what I was aiming for by an inch to the left. I hit it... Uh, an inch to the left of the little wheel thing in the center. <laughs> that's what I was aiming for, and it was <laughs> was one inch off the center at fifty feet. So that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. I haven't I'm trying to think of what the latest thing that I blew up was. I don't think I've I've actually destroyed something uh, with a handgun for a while. Just you know, I mean, just like some piece of. Random equipment. Yeah, I don't. I hardly ever do that. I just got a wild hair. I, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and something is like, you just know it has to happen. <laughs> so, so the um, the I missed the part where you were saying something about The Walking Dead. Did you find out? Did you figure out what you would do? Yeah, and actually, before I say a single word, um, we'll talk about it later. We should do some knife stuff first, but uh, yeah. Um, I want to hear what you do and then see how similar it is to what I would do. I have a whole strategy figured out because I couldn't get back to sleep. So I just laid there and thought about everything I would do. Like, hmm. yeah. It's interesting because it is a, it is a, uh, and you have to take into account things like every once in a while, these big, huge, massive swarms are going to come through. I'm at, I'm on uh, season two and his wife, uh, just died, uh, in childbirth. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. So that's that's what I know so far is that every once in a while these huge swarms will come through. Yeah, and they'll take out fences. Yeah, like you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta have a plan that'll deal with that. So, but yep. uh, anyway, knife wise, De- deuce and a half. <laughs> right, knife wise. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about is uh, um. Dwayne Keith Puckett is sending me uh, sheaths, which I'm very much appreciating. Um, the other thing is, is uh, 
uh, both you and I just saw on Facebook, Brian Griffin posted a picture of a knife uh, called an Ator, A-I-T-O-R. And it's got kind of a recurve and all this stuff. It's not, not that expensive. You can get them on Amazon for, you know, like 80 bucks or something. Um, neat little that, neat little knife. That that knife is a, the one that he has a picture of there is a, um, a Ator is the, the brand name. It's a, I believe it's a Spanish company. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the little knife and fork that I have is a uh, a little mess kit knife or uh, not knife and fork the fork and spoon is an Ador set. Okay, was issued to the Panama Defense Forces back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's a it's an interesting company. Their knives ten, their knives never they're a lot better than the than their reputation is, um, which is kind of one of those bizarre world things. They make up. They're they make like a, a an army knife. Like a, it looks like mm-hmm. a, a a Swiss army knife, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got it's got um, some kind of thermal thermal plastic scale. No, it's got like some kind of a plastic scale on it. And yeah, I've seen it. It's, it's actually like their a, Swiss army knife. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's actually a pretty decent knife. And mm-hmm. it doesn't. I mean, people look at them and they look. They think of them as cheap Chinese, you know, junk. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think they, I don't, I don't think their reputation is that deserved. So they, they, they do make some weird looking stuff that maybe that's why, but, um, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, 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 a fair assessment of their, of their, their ability to make knives. No, yeah, and I, I just like the, the one with the recurve is just kind of interesting looking. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know that. I, I don't know. I, it just is a neat looking. It's kind of it's kind of like a it's kind of like a like a mini parang with a point. Yeah, like uh, like uh, what's that? What's that? Uh, like a kukri almost. Yeah. Only not kukri, not not as bent down. Not as not as bent. But um, because it's got a fairly aggressive recurve to it. Mm-hmm. And I was not a fan of recurves um, until I started. Uh, gardening mm-hmm. um or or blades that curve back towards you until i started gardening because mm-hmm. when you when you do a, a cut that's back towards you um that that blade shape really helps me with those cuts so mm-hmm. that that's my only only reason i think that i'd like that um he says uh he wants to make a copy of them, <laughs> and then I think I think if I was going to do it, I'd make a full tang copy with a uh, forged-in guard. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'd do the pommel though. Make I'd it, probably do that. Make as it as a, part of the make it as part of the scale. You could do that. Um, even more interesting would be to make the pommel out of brass and then pin it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Pin it. Mm-hmm. But then yep. the the problem is. Uh, then I'm adding hours of time because I have to make all my own shit. I, I don't have a mill to do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I you could know. take you could take a uh, you could you could probably make your build your pommel into the tang, and then and then put a uh, uh, make a like a segmented handle and build a two piece pommel and, and yeah. fit it on the on the back like a side slotted of it deal. Then, yeah. Yeah. The the other th- again, I'd have to machine that. The other thing is, is like, uh, well, no, 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 no. Take take your. Let's say you make my car to scales. Right. And then you leave this the portion 
of the tang stick back where the, a pommel would be, uh-huh. and then just and then just take two pieces of micarta, make another set of scales behind that, and form oh. it into a pommel. Okay, so yeah. it, so it makes it look like a pommel. Yeah, and then then another way to do it is I could just forge that. Could forge it since I'm already forging in the guard. I could forge in the pommel. Why not? Mm-hmm. You could. You could make it make it an integral and then stick scales on it. That's that's when you know you've made it as a knife maker. Is when you can forge an integral like that, where you have your guard. You have your, you know, it's basically a big one piece knife with a uh, with sa- with scales that fit in there perfectly. Yeah, you could do. You could probably do that. It'd be that'd be an interesting uh, that would be an interesting uh, piece. Yeah, um, be a pain in the ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'd be a lot of work. I mean, it's it would it would test your skills. There's no doubt. Well, okay, I'd, maybe so, I'll do that after a while. <laughs> so, so we've been kind of we mentioned this a while back, and we were talking about doing it, and and we've it's not that we've been avoiding it. It just we haven't. Uh, we just haven't done it, and uh, I got an email the other day about uh, about kitchen knives, mm-hmm. and I think I forwarded that to you. Did you get it? Uh, mm, let me look. Um, but go ahead, and I'll I'll see if I got it or not. Um, you know, basically asking to talk about uh, about kitchen knives, and and uh, um, in fact, I should pull the damn thing up and see, make sure I'm. Oh, I've got it. Yeah, there okay. we are. Maybe, maybe you want to read that. Okay. Hello, gentlemen. Love the podcast. I've been a long-time listener, and I still enjoy tuning in to hear your thoughts on knives and the world in general. Boy, you're in for a treat then. Um, a while back, you mentioned you wanted to do a podcast on kitchen knives. I think that is a great idea. If I might make a request, it would be nice if you could touch on lower-cost kitchen knives for budget-minded families. Why, I have the perfect solution for you. I am in need of replacing my crappy kitchen knives, but I know that my family will, uh, in parentheses, does do stupid things with them, despite my best efforts to train them otherwise. Uh, So I don't want anything too expensive. And speaking of care, your thoughts on kitchen knife use and care would be welcome as well. Anyway, uh, thanks for all the time you put into the show. Best regards, DM. So, um, I, I'm, I'm a lot like him. <laughs> I'm a, I like a, a nice, real, awesome knives and stuff. Um, uh, but uh, my kitchen stuff, I know that everybody's going to be using it, and it's going to get beat to shit. And I just don't want to have that fight, you know. So. Um, I have a uh, a Henkel uh, that I got at Walmart, <laughs> and uh, it's it's a nice thin blade, um, just a standard thing. And I I'll see if I can look it up here. Um, that would be considered. I would say that would be considered a um, uh, a Chinese Henkel. Yeah, but let me find it here. It's um, uh, Zwilling J. A. Hinkle's, uh, let me make sure this is the right one so I can give you, uh, yeah, it's the ones that they have, the ones that they have at Walmart, um, just pick one that's nice and thin, um, the, the thicker ones, sometimes you can have, uh, gosh, I wish I knew the exact model, um, well, one of the, one of the things that is, uh, that is, um, 
interesting about the Hinkles is they is they actually the Chinese ones are are extremely tolerable. Um, they 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 work pretty well, even though they're made in China. They're inexpensive, as long as you're not um, abusing it too much. Yeah, it, it'll be fine. You know those those work, and, and and for the budget conscious, that's a uh, that's a pretty good choice of uh, of knives. You know, I mean, everybody doesn't have um, a lot of money that they can be buying custom kitchen knives and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I have um. I've used the Chicago Cutlery line from Walmart and the Farberware line, and I did not like those. Mm -hmm. um, give me, give me two minutes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring that knife up and see if I can get a model number off of it, and I'll, okay. I'll flash it for the camera. Um, just a quick break here. Okay. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. just literally pulled this out of the dishwasher <laughs> <laughs> now see I I, I, I refuse um, I refuse to put a knife in the dishwasher and I don't know if it really makes any difference I know with my car to scales it screws them up yeah it but but I don't know if it actually does I don't know as it actually gets hot enough to actually do damage to the blade um, I mean 200 degree water is that there you're it's you know. probably more like 160, but um, it's. Uh, let me Dude, see. I, if get, I, can... I have I have 160 water out of my tap. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there is it. It. So the model numbers on it. This is a uh, Hinkle's International No Stain. Okay. And the so model. Means... There's actually a YouTube video on this. Yeah. Um. Uh, so if you do a YouTube search for Hinkle's International No Stain, uh, you can get them on eBay. Um, Lots of different places. Uh, J.C. Penney's has them. Um, let's see. I mean, that's the, that's, the model that's number true. is uh, three one one seven zero dash one eight zero seven inch kitchen knife. I've had this for years, like mm -hmm. literally years, and it's been in the dishwasher hundreds of times. Uh, every once in a while, I will take it out and run it, um, run it through the. Uh, uh, you know, just put a new edge on it. I'm seeing here on Amazon, um, it looks like they have the exact same knife. Um, actually, two knives, same exact thing. It looks like for uh, 20 bucks. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I'm a. I just love this knife. Um, yeah. It's my favorite kitchen knife I've ever had. Um, so I don't know. 
The one on so, eBay is for fifteen bucks. Yeah, yeah it's so. very inexpensive. Very, very, very inexpensive. You and, and you know, a lot of guys will take those and uh, put them in their camping kits. Yeah, you know, when they're like they're going tent camping or car camping or whatever like that, and they put that they put a knife like that in their kitchen. Um, they tend to sharpen fairly simple, very fairly seat, fairly. Yeah, easy. yeah, and it, it, they sharpen well. They hold an edge. Um, this has been beat to death. My kids use this. People that come over to my house use it. I use it. My wife uses it. None of these are people are knife people. And uh, every once in a while, I'll take this out to the grinder and just re-put an edge on it. But most of the time, I can just use a steel, and it yeah. sharpened. It's this thing is awesome. I love it. Um, it's my favorite kitchen knife I've ever owned, and I do own some more expensive ones. But this so, is the so you good. can use a steel on that, so that means it's it's soft enough to yeah it, to, it, to pull it, back straight. It, yeah, it pops up with a steel. Without okay, so any one of the open. one of the things that that you guys have to worry about if you are um, buying some of the higher end knives, some of the laminated steel knives, is if you put a steel on those blades, the edges, if they're like Rockwell 60 uh -huh. or 61, you will chip them out. And the reason I know this is because I gave my dad a really, really good Japanese, um, actually it's a, it's a European style, but it was Japanese made, um, had a VG10 uh, laminated blade. Uh-huh. And I told him. Now my dad is my dad was old school. He was carbon, carbon steel kitchen knives. Okay, so that means a little bit softer, a uh, little more. Um, you sharpen them on a stone, fairly simple. But what you did with the edge was you pulled it straight with a with a with a steel. Um, and he and that was the way he started every freaking time he cut a roast or a turkey or whatever it was that he was cutting yeah first thing he did was 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 uh uh slide that um slide his knife on on a big butcher's steel sweet <clears throat> yeah and and um so when i gave him that knife i said dad look and and my dad wasn't a dummy mm -hmm. he was he, he understood metallurgy and a lot of that kind of stuff and, and i said dad you gotta understand, this is a very hard steel blade. Uh huh. I said you cannot bang it on that steel. I said you run it on that steel, and you are gonna chip the blade out. <laughs> and he said, No, 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 don't worry about it. I won't. I, you know. And and I said, and don't put it in the dishwasher because it's hard on the handles. Yeah. So I don't know. A year later, I happened to be looking at his kitchen knives, and he's he's bitching that the one I gave him was dull. <laughs> so I went over and I grabbed it and I looked at it and I was like, "Did I tell you not to put this on the steel?" I, I said, "Dad, this is you just bummed up this whole blade," and I had to literally take it and reprofile the whole thing because it had chips in it all the way up the cutting edge, and then the handle scales were were like bleached out. It, they they were micarta scales, nice looking. I mean, and trust me, this is a nice looking knife. It was. It was one that Almar was selling at one time, and they're, it was made. I think they're made by Hattori. I mean, they were really well done. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, I think they. I think Almar still sells them. Uh, very, very nicely done knife, and the handle scales were bleached almost white <laughs> from being put in the dishwasher. Yeah, I was like, "What the heck? Did I tell the two things I told you not to do? You did." <laughs> so anyway, so I so I cleaned it up for him, and and. Uh, Got got the edge back again, and he finally, after seeing that, he learned his lesson. Um, 
But uh, if your knife is if, if your knife is soft enough, you can get away with doing that, and that actually will pull the edge back straight. It's it's like stropping, only a little more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's not a. I mean, if you a lot of the old carbon steel blades, that's what that's what you did because you, you sharpen it until it you know when it, when the edge rolled over a little bit on it, you just pulled it straight, and that's all you yep. were doing with the steel was just yep. pulling the edge back straight again. Yeah, and these, um, so for, if you're on a budget, like, I, I would totally buy one of these again. In fact, if this, if any, this one ever gives up the ghost, I'm going to buy another one. I just love them. It's like, that's like a ramen noodle every night budget. Yeah, this is perfect. Like, um, and, uh, actually when I bought this, I was on a a ramen noodle every night budget (laughs) and I, I can buy or make any knife. Use that to cut spam. Right. Well, yeah, honestly. <laughs> I, I can buy or make any knife that I want, um, yeah. but I still like this. So if you're on a budget and you want a great knife, thing, then I'm going to recommend this. Now, let's talk about like mid-range, so not quite custom, um, like a mid-range knife well, like what we can you, even we can even even we can we can bump Steven it up stay in that in that yeah. realm right there well a little bit better maybe okay okay so here's a knife that i use all the time and i, I instagrammed a picture of three knives okay this is a forester forester okay, okay? so it's a, it's i think they're related to victor knox okay victor knox yeah they have a lot of good kitchen knives by the way they do well these are like professional butcher knives yeah I have, uh, I have typi- some of those big ones, that's, though. That's typically where you'll find them is yeah. uh, is in a um, some place that sells uh, commercial equipment, commercial food. I mean, commercial food processing equipment. Um, a lot of the higher end kitchen stores will have it, and I don't even know. I can't even tell you what blade steel this is, uh, but this is a um, this is a model number four zero nine six. Okay, and I think they call this a boning knife. Now, this is typically what I use when I debone like a deer leg or a roast or something like that. If I'm working on a pork shoulder and I want to take the blade out before I do something with it, this is the knife that I use for that. Yeah. And these are these are fairly inexpensive. I mean, this is probably, yeah, I don't know, look it up. Maybe it's like a $40 knife. Uh-huh. Um, and it's an extremely well-made knife, and their whole line of knives is 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 fairly good. Um, I think that you know you can't go wrong with a knife like that. Um, one, um, how do you spell that? F O R. One of the um, Forrester knives on Amazon. And and guys, the only reason we go on Amazon to give you prices is because it's the fastest. Yeah, <laughs> they that was they show up on the top of the list all the time. Um, portion, what did I say? Four oh six, four oh nine dash six. Um, one of the things that that um, when you when you have a knife like this, that they're not they're not it's not horribly expensive. It is not um, a you don't feel like you're going to hurt it any a lot of times if i have like my my really fancy knives i i absolutely won't let anybody else mess with them yeah um d- just because they you never know like a thousand dollar forged japanese chef knife no, no i'm touching nice. it nobody else is yeah no, you know? nothing nobody else is doing that yeah um so <clears throat> so you can go and you can get 
Here, here's one of the other tricks that I've done over the years, and I've had I've had really actually been pretty successful at it. If you go to um, what the hell's the name of that store? It's a store that's like discounts. Um, not not like Marshalls. Marshalls. There yeah. you go. That's it. If you go to Marshalls, because we we have one in in our in our next town over, mm-hmm. you can find knives that are like from some other store that they just bought out and, yeah. they're, and they're grooming them. Okay, so I picked up this Kai Cutlery, um, made in Japan. It's their Seki. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna butcher this Japanese name. Megaruku. <laughs> okay, I'm sure I am butchering that quite a bit. For fourteen dollars, that looks badass. And it's and it's if you look at my if you look at my Instagram feed, it's the one that's the top picture. So so I think it's up on Facebook and it's up on the, on the Instagram feed. This was fourteen dollars. That and it's got a awesome. it's got a it's got a nice wooden handle. It's and you know what? And this is my this is the knife that I use almost every day. Yeah, that's a lot like mine. That's a lot like this one. Same yep. exact idea. Probably nice thin blade. Yep. Cheap yep. El Cheapo. It's actually uh, I think it's a little bit better probably than the one you have. Yeah. For I'm one sure. thing, it's made in Japan, not not made in China. My mine's my mine's Spain, dude. <laughs> that's not made in Spain. Is yes, it? it is. Yes, it is. It's made in Spain. Really? It's right there on the blade. That's it. Well, that makes it so, though. Remember, <laughs> hey, now, <laughs> don't be bashing my favorite kitchen. This knife. is this is one of the things that this is one of the things that uh, that has been has been touted about Hinkles. If the plane flies over Germany from China on the way to the United States, they're allowed to put a blade stamp on it, Germany. Hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but but it is kind of funny. Um, if you go to Kai, Kai Cutlery, mm-hmm. I think this model is actually still available from them. Kai Cutlery, which is which is um, uh, Kershaw, right? Then they don't like left-handed people. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> because and, because they don't allow left-handed people in Japan. <laughs> that's still funny. That's still funny. I don't even know if they make this model anymore. Shout out to the uh, Gear Geeks Live podcast there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be with those guys on Saturday night that's or Friday night. Friday night. I think I'm supposed to drink before I get on the show. Be careful. I think I think that was what the what the whole point was was what to you drink. should what you should do is tell them you're gonna drink and then not. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, remember, the guy, the guy knows how to question people. Yeah. So yeah. you think he's gonna beat? Me? He's not gonna beat me up. Mm-mm. No, he won't. But just have your wits about you. The guy's uh, a very good even, interviewer. I never have my wits about me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it doesn't look like they even make this model anymore. But it was a, it was a, uh, it was one of their fairly good lines of knives and. And for whatever reason, they ended up in the Marshall's, uh, you know, get rid of bin. And and I'm going to tell you, if you go on their in their kitchen section, I mean, I buy, 
if I need a pot or something, uh-huh. that's I always go and look there. Because you can buy like really high end uh, Cathlon or or uh, um, uh, they even have um, what's that other what's that like other like Le probably. Well, yeah, they have they sell that stuff, brand. but they they also sell a um, another uh, frying pan that now I'm not going to think of the name of it. It's uh, seems like it's like God darn it. Oh, now I've got a total brain fog. Hmm. Well, at any it's, rate... They're uh, all stainless. They're all clads. I'm sorry, all clads. All clads. Yeah, those are pricey. And you can buy all clads there. Yeah. You know? I mean, they, they have them there, and they're like half the price of everywhere else. Now, they may not have the model that you want. They may not have the set that you want. And and I think that this is the other thing, too, about kitchen knives that we kind of get caught up in. Um. Everybody gets a kitchen block, yeah, a knife block that's got 15 knives in it. Uh huh. And the fact of the matter is, you only really need three. Okay. And and out of the three, you probably only will use one all the time, out of the three. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be a Santuco, it might be a uh, uh, a chef's knife. What do you call this shape? That's a Santuco. Yeah, that's, that's my preferred Santuco. shape. Yeah. Yep. That's a Santuco. Word has it that that's actually not a traditional Japanese blade shape. Okay. That was not something that showed up on, until after the war when we were reluctant to allow them to have pointy knives. <laughs> Jeez, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, and so that was where that came from. Uh, that was, that was, I, I, I can't. I actually can't offer that up as a fact, but but I think that that's pretty true. It, oh, it, speaking of which, did you see that uh, that thing? Uh, England is having a knife amnesty. A knife amnesty. I have not seen that. Oh, it popped up on my Facebook feed the other day. They say that um, you should turn your knife in, hmm. and they'll give you like amnesty. Uh, if you turn them in, <laughs> hmm. interesting. Yeah, because your uh, their argument is that you're more likely to be injured by your by somebody taking your knife than you are to like do anything else with it. Same hmm. argument they make for guns. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is that that um, most knife murders mm-hmm. actually happen in the kitchen. With, with, a, kitchen with a kitchen knife, a steak yeah. knife. Yep. I, I of all the people that I have taken care of that have been stabbed, it, you know those uh, shitty uh, steak knives that are serrated with oh, yeah. the wooden yep. handles. I've got yep. a whole drawer full of them. The the classic seventies wooden handle, awesome um, steak knife. Uh, uh, awesome. Those ones. Uh, you can do a lot of damage with some with one of those. Er, Almost every time I've seen someone stabbed, they've had that thing sticking out of their back, <laughs> <laughs> and it's always awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not funny, but it is. It is funny. That's, that's, <laughs> it's like the the most you never see someone stabbed with like a you know four hundred dollar like zero tolerance or something right. or a Strider knife. It's always the fucking two dollar uh, shitty nineteen right. seventies steak knife. <laughs> you know why? You know why I don't get stabbed with a Strider knife? Why is that? Because C- the lanyard doesn't stay on the wrist. Oh, <laughs> bam! 
<laughs> You're gonna have to explain that one. I, I don't. Well, I don't know what you were getting at there. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> well, yeah, because the land. Okay, oh, so so. Because the lander doesn't stay on the knife. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm going to get in trouble here by bringing this up. But I. Why did you promise somebody you would never bring it up? No, again? but you know there are people who are massive. Like you take. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm not going to talk about Strider. I'm going to talk about um, Nerd Dice. Okay, there are different companies throughout time who have made Nerd Dice, Ooh. and uh, right there, you know, all kinds of different companies, and there's these ones that are like true balance or something and like there's all these like fans of different I, I'm trying to depersonalize this away from knives okay so you'll have one group of fans who can see no wrong with Chessex nerd dives and then there's like another group of fans who can see no wrong with like another kind of nerd dice and like you can point out actual flaws and uh, they won't they'll say that it's not a problem with the nerd dice it's a problem with you <laughs> you know so like I, I have a, uh, a Strider knife um, that uh, I I don't really want to say anything about it um, because I know, like, I'll just get freaking hosed if I say anything about it. Like, people come out of the woodwork and so, but the, uh, the hole where your lanyard is supposed to go through, the blade goes halfway through that hole. And then... Um, so I, I posted a video on that, and I showed that, and some guy said, well, you know, you're supposed to use a metal lanyard, and, it won't, <laughs> and, and I just don't understand. So th that's probably what Jim was getting at. Um, forget I said anything. Okay. Um, okay, so let's go back to, uh, let's go back to <laughs> kitchen knives. Okay. One of the other knives that I use quite often, actually, is... This old knife that I found at a yard sale, and it's the, uh, oh. in the it's in the Instagram picture. It's uh, is that like an old Henry or it's it's the middle one. Okay, so there's no maker's mark on it. There's no, um, and this is exactly the way I found it. It was not. I mean, it was patina just similar to this. Uh -huh. uh, obviously, I've used it a little more. I I touched the edge up a little bit. Oh. Oh, Macy is awake. I touched up the edge a little bit, um, but it is it is a convexed ground edge, uh -huh. so it's not so it's before they were really um, no quiet. So it's so it's probably before it was uh, um, you know you know a machine ground blade. Uh -huh. It looks it it has the appearance of a. Of an Ontario knife because it has the the on one side it has a little bit what looks like like grooves that are in it and that's um, that reminds me of there's a model that they make right now that that's in fact I would highly recommend these if you were on a real budget look at these Ontario uh, wood handle kitchen knives they're high carbon steel blades um, once you get them patinaed up and you take care of them they do not get any more rusty they're probably not the best for cutting sushi put a little mustard on there yeah well on the well, blade whatever. I mean, it was, it up right yeah well yeah. whatever you can do that or you can do vinegar stick yeah, it in a whatever, potato yeah. or an apple but but and i i i choose i don't do that it's it's um it happens naturally over it happens time. naturally if you if you take care of your knife properly 
this will happen no matter what you do. It, yep. it, it turns like a gray colored, and as long as you keep it clean, it, it, they don't rust. They stain, but they don't rust. They don't turn. I mean, I, I, I mean, I used this the other day. It doesn't get, it just doesn't get rust plumes on it. You know, you, yeah. you, you clean it, you dry it off, and you put it, you know, back in the drawer. But I love. I actually like this knife quite a bit, and it's a. It looks like a Green River Skinner. Yeah, yeah. Is is the shape that it is, and I use it for. Um, I use it for working, cutting meat. Is is primarily what I use this for, getting roasts ready. Um, like I like I use this on a pork roast to un- unfold it, um, to put like if I'm going to stuff a pork roast. With yeah, something, roll it back up with stuff. And roll it in back there. up. Yep. And um, I used this the other day. I'm, I'm making that um, brizzola, oh, yeah. which is that Italian uh, cured beef with uh, juniper berries and all that stuff. Well, I, I, I did a, I did like 15 pounds of that, and I used this knife when I was when I was cutting it and cleaning it up because it, it it works really good for like taking silver skin off of a roast, that kind of stuff. And the other day, uh, my my future son-in-law was over and. I said, "Hey, I'm making this this product right here," and he was he was tasting a, a old set that an old batch that I that I made, and I said, "And I want to make this out of venison. I want to make this out of deer meat." I said, "So when you get a you know when you get a deer because he's a pretty hardcore hunter, I said when you get a deer, I said reserve you know one or two legs for me, rear legs for me, mm-hmm. and I'll and I'll and I'll make this out of out of that." So the other day he comes over and he says, uh, "Hey, I got a I got a rear leg for you." He says, "It's a little bloody, a little bloody." I was like, well, "What do you mean, a little bloody? I've never seen a rear leg that's a little bloody." <laughs> and I looked in the I looked in the bag he had it in, and it was literally looked like like the whole thing was blood. So I was like, "Oh, okay." And he said, "Well, what happened was his friend shot it with a bow, hit it in the it was a quartering shot looking at him." Okay. So yeah. the arrow went through his front chest on an angle, a little bit of an angle, like between his front, la- like between the shoulder blade and the and the rib cage. Yeah, went through the rib cage, through his full length of his body cavity, and came out his rear quarter. Popped came out his the femoral artery right, right through the rear leg. Yeah, popped his femoral artery. And I want to tell you what I have never ever seen a deer leg that was that bloody. I put, I was like, holy crap, I, you know. Put it in the sink, and I and I filled it up with water with and kosher salt, cold water and kosher salt, just like a probably a half a pound of kosher salt in there. And then I took the ice cube tray out of my refrigerator and dumped it in, like twenty pounds of ice in on top of it. And that damn thing soaked all day. And when it when you looked in my sink, it looked like I had just like killed a pig in the sink. <laughs> it was it was that much and that. That quality of red blood—it it was unbelievable how much blood was in there, and I, I I drained the water out twice and and repeated the process, and I could not believe how. And finally, when I got it done, it was I got all the blood out of it, but it was between every bit of connective tissue in that. Yeah, it's because he pumped his uh, he bled out into his thigh. Yeah. Yet what people don't realize is even in humans. Um, uh, the reason we're so amped up a lot of times in car crashes if somebody has a femur fracture is the the femur will um, if you the femur lacerates your femoral artery uh, you can bleed to death into your leg 
and that's in a matter of minutes, right? Because well, and it, yeah, less than a minute, or you know, it depends on the person. I less than a minute is probably overstating the case, but um, so you'll you'll have people come in uh, to the trauma bay with a, and they'll just look like shit, uh, and they've the only in, real injury is a broken leg, and you'll be like, what the hell? And it's because their broken leg bumped their femoral artery and they bled into their thigh. Yep. Yep. And then they, you know, so that's probably what happened to your deer because it'll shoot it out um, with a lot of pressure, um, you know, and uh, it'll well, it'll a, go a, down the, the between the fascia layers and yep, and, yep. and, and that's and, and that's like exactly that. what this is. And I had never, like I said, I had never seen, you know, I've I've killed and butchered a lot of deer in my life, and I have never seen. A rear leg that was like that. that that's was like the that's first... probably where he bled. That's probably what killed him was that yeah. wound. I, yeah. That's what I would guess. Because usually, usually when I get something, it's a, it's a chest shot, and their entire chest cavity is filled with blood. Yep. Yep. You know, and that's that's how they that's how they expire. Um, but uh, yeah. So so the back to the knife thing. Um, this. This is just a simple wood handle, and if you go for those, like the Chicago cutlery or the or the um, Ontario, uh, the Ontario knives, um, which, like I said, are I'm trying to think of what steel they use. I think they use uh, I think they use fifty two one hundred. I don't know, um, but if you um, if you look at their at their websites, they make a nice um, they make nice nice kitchen products um, that are very reasonable priced um, and will do you a very good job. And like uh -huh. I said, you don't need to. I think their their models are called Old Hick Old Hickory. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the one, okay, so the one that looks like this one that I have. Is a is sixteen bucks, seventeen bucks, okay. and that's their that's their that's their suggested retail price. Now, these probably have, and I haven't seen one of these up close for a while. These probably have a um, a hollow grind in it. They probably don't have a uh, a convexed edge, but that's relatively easy enough. But you know, you can buy a seven piece cutlery set for seventy dollars. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and to be honest, that they work pretty well. Yep. I don't think you'll, I don't think you'll have a problem. And that's, you know, that's a, those are inexpensive. I mean, they make a paring knife, make a slicing knife. Um, they also, if you go to their website and you look at their, um, they make another line of knives that people don't know much about, and it's uh, their uh, their field knives. They're they're basically farm tools. Mm-hmm. And uh, industrial agricultural sets, and so they'll make like a um, a cabbage knife, a, pota <laughs> a potato knife, a yeah. lettuce trimmer, um, and those are all actually kind of handy knives to have around. They'll, and they'll work forever. And they work forever. Yep. You know, and they're inexpensive. Twelve bucks. Butcher knife, hop knife, twelve bucks. Yep. Okay. You enough know. kitchen knife talk. Really? Yes, I've heard I'm enough. I'm excited. For this I love kitchen knives. Well, me too. Let's. Knives. Well, so let's save some. Let's not. Uh, <laughs> let's not. Uh, okay. Blow not the problem. whole uh, not a stack problem. of cards in this in one podcast. Right, um, and I think I think um, uh, like I said, the kitchen knives. Don't be afraid of using inexpensive stuff. They don't have to be the best. 
Um, use what you can afford to use. The whole point is don't use a dull finger. Yep. Okay, so user questions. I have one from Croatia. Shout out to Croatia. Uh, which knife, which do you prefer? Knife designed by hand or with a computer? Um, personally, I do everything with, uh, by hand with a ruler and a set of circles, and that's it. Um, how do you, how do you design, okay, I guess it's... You can, you can, I you think, can I think design those, I a th knife completely in Photoshop or in yeah. Adobe Illustrator or yeah. whatever. Um, but, uh, I, I just like the... It's hard when you're doing it on a computer screen to see like the actual size and things like that. Um, but eventually, if you're ever going to take your design and make it into a, uh, you know, a CNC pattern or whatever like that, eventually it's going to have to go through a computer to do that. So, right, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, I don't know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. But when I design my own stuff, I do it all with a with a ruler. And uh, I've even got on my Instagram feed the actual thing that I use. Sometimes I'll use a French curve, rarely, but most of what I do is straight lines and circles. And on uh, a couple things I've done lately, I didn't have a circle big enough, so I used uh, one of those metal bowls in my kitchen, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or one time I used the lid to a, a jar of sauerkraut. Now, now <laughs> use that. Haven't you? Uh, you got your hair cut like that, too, didn't you? Yeah, like with a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm rocking the uh, the bowl cut right now. <laughs> yeah, that's so that's, mine. that's that's that. Yeah. Um, okay, so okay, you I, got I one? posted on yeah, I posted on um, on uh, Facebook, and I got this one from Dan, who asks us about winter soups and stews, winter cold weather gear you in your vehicle, including axe, camp blades, hunting. Either of you get out yet? Okay. That's a whole. That's a whole podcast topic. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'll say about winter cold weather gear in my car. Yeah. It's very. It's not very different from the summer cold weather gear in my car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've seen my Jeep. I have axes and saws and and blankets and tarps and I mean not tarps, but I have ponchos and um, you know I could I could probably live out of my car for. A, yeah. I usually have a couple MREs. You know, I, I can usually live in my car for. Probably a week without yep. any without without any trouble whatsoever. Well, I, I um, don't go to that extreme. Um, I have in my car a cell phone. Uh, I have uh, now, dude. What happens if the zombie apocalypse happens and well, you just I, got a cell phone and all the towers no, are down? I have a sleeping bag. Um, well, that'll I have one of my zombies. military uh, sleep system <laughs> sleeping bags. I have uh, my MSR E wing. I have a scoop shovel. I have an axe, a cheapy axe, uh, and then I always have knives and I have multi-tools and stuff in there, um, and I usually will have um, my Coleman little dual fuel uh, one burner, it's the 442 Featherlight that I just fixed, by the way, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, stuff like that, uh, just simple stuff, I, I don't go too crazy, I always have plenty of warm clothing in there if I need it. Um, always hat, gloves, uh, and uh, like a balaclava type thing in case I have to walk somewhere. Um, I try to keep, um, if I don't have boots on, I try to have some in the trunk or something. But, I, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't go too crazy. 
because um, I it, wherever I am in Iowa, I'm less than a mile from a farmhouse. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm probably not the person to ask for that. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, I <clears throat> my cold weather gear is usually I have a wool blanket. I usually have a I, I have a, actually a small little backpack that I have a that I have a wool blanket in it. I have a uh, poncho. Um, and a wooby rolled up inside, uh-huh. and then and then also have two MREs in that, and then I have uh, one of those little Siva stoves. Svia, Svia stoves. I yeah, those are those. awesome. Yeah, those. Uh, I have one of those in there. How and do I you, usually end my so cup. when you light it? Just a quick question. Um, you know you have to put the you have to put the fuel on the top mm-hmm. of the stove like that. What do you do yep. when you just have the stove? How do you I, get the I, fuel up there? Well, I have a little. Like a I little usually cup have or whatever? a container. No, I have a little container that I keep in there too that has fuel in it. Okay. And if you look at an MSR, mm-hmm. and people don't probably don't know this, but a lot of if you get an MSR fuel canister for the mm-hmm. that you use the white gas with, yeah. If you turn that, you know that little vent hole. Yeah. It pours out perfectly into the top of that little stove. Oh, cool. So so you can like crack that a little bit. And then get that so it'll drain out enough to light it up. And 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 um, I use that quite a bit. I used it the other day to heat up cider. We were out at a, uh, before Halloween. We were at a a, a spook house. And um, uh, oh when, boy, we, you we can have, take that so many different yeah. ways. I'm not <laughs> even going to go there. I, no, well, a haunted house. Okay, <laughs> okay, it, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was um, uh, one of the things that happens up here. There's a lot of we have a lot of places up here that have a because our history up here dates back to the 1600s. Right. Okay. We have numerous, numerous tales of horror stories and woe that, that from back from when the French trappers were here, they shared these things about uh, ghosts and goblins and those kinds of things that carried people out. You know, they. Things that were unexplained back then were always supernatural. Right. And if somebody just went missing and got eaten by a wolf, well, all of a sudden that was uh, that was like a werewolf snatched by a witch. Yes, or, <laughs> or whatever, something. You know, yeah. I mean, so so there, so we have lots of stories like that, and we have lots of old graveyards, and we have lots of old, you know, camps and stuff like that. Because there was several prison camps up here that were, you know. Because we were so far away from everything that they would just put people up here, and we, we don't even you were like up here. you were like Australia, the gu- up like there. the gulag. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so what what happens nowadays is that we have um, uh, people. Hang on a second, my phone is buzzing. We have we have um, we have people up here that kind of they like that, so they they they. They design like a spook house as a tourist attraction or okay. as a local attraction. You know, and you go and you pay ten bucks or fifteen bucks and you go get the bejesus scared out of you and everybody tries to do outdo one another, you know? Yeah. And so we went to this one place and it was in it's literally in the middle of nowhere. It's in a t- little town called Wolverine, just north of uh, Wolverine. And it was an old um, it was actually an old boys' school at one time. I mean like a like a reform school mm-hmm. back in like the thirties. 
And so you have a, a portion of it that you walk through the woods, and they have little displays set up and people following you around. And then they have another, they have a house, and they uh -huh. have, and you get to walk through the house too. So after we were done, we were sitting in the parking lot, and uh, it was kind of chilly that night, and, and uh, my sister had brought some cider and some donuts, and I was like, oh, who wants some warm cider? So I opened up my Jeep and fired up my little stove and warmed up some cider in my little tin cup, and so we had hot cider. Nice. So it was kind of handy. Nice. But. Okay, so here's another uh, question, and actually three people weighed in on this. So one of our glib uh, attendees asks, uh, how to properly buff slash polish a knife blade slash handle? I am thinking of buying a buffer for this. What speed do you recommend, 1800 or 3600? Um, so I say get an 1800, like 10 times before you buy a 3600. Only because of the safety aspect of yeah. it? Yeah, and then the other thing is is you're going to buy your wheels for that. You're going to buy 10-inch uh, diameter, um, uh, I think it's 1-inch wide wheels uh, that are spiral-sewn. Uh, not the loose fluff ones, the spiral-sewn ones, and you can get them from Phoenix Abrasives. And the guy to talk to is Sean uh, Ryan. Sean the Sandpaper Guy Ryan is what he goes by on Facebook. Nice. And then for your compounds, um, for the handle, you want this white uh, Forma compound um, that I got from Bark River. I don't even know what the name of it is, but it's a white Forma compound that'll do your handles. For the blades, um, I start with a uh, 200. So I have different wheels that are only used for that compound, and I just swap the wheels out as I'm going along. So I have a 240 grit that I start with, then uh, 320, then 600, and then I go to a Forma black compound to do the mirror finish on the blades. Now then, Croatia then um, pipes in. Uh, shout out to Croatia. Kyle has a great question, and he's referring to our, uh, our glibber. If I may expand on that, when you're buffing the knife, uh, how do you make sure that you don't over buff the edge, and meaning by like buffing the edges off? And then Jim Stewart um, pipes in, skill through experience. We've all buffed off edges. It just takes <laughs> practice not to. So, so what he's talking about, and is if you, while you're buffing the knife, um, the last thing you do is uh, you want to go over the edge and. Uh, you know, you can be real aggressive and buff the edge off, that's fine. It it takes two seconds to just go back um, very, very lightly at a very shallow angle on the buffer to go back over and reestablish that edge. So if you buff the edge off, it's not a huge deal to just go back in and, and reestablish it. I mean, you've got a buffer. But don't buy the 3600, buy the 1800. That That's just my opinion. So... Do you have anything to add to that? Mm -mm. That's okay. about it, too. Now, winter. I know, I know. I know one thing with buffers, though, guy, and you got to remember to be careful. Yeah. No lanyards on anything you're buffing. Ever. Yeah, ever. 
no matter what, no matter how hard it was to tie that knot, cut the fucking thing off. Cut it off of there. Uh, cut it off of there because that will grab those and you'll be in trouble. And the 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 place you're going to get injured in a knife shop is using the buffer. Um, mm-hmm. So just be careful. And uh, eighteen hundred, you'll want that a thousand times before you want the uh, before you want the thirty six hundred. Now I've got a Baldor um, buffer. The 1800, I don't remember the model number, but it's uh, it's just a standard Baldor buffer. Um, the other thing I would say uh, is when you're applying your compound, okay, um, you don't want to apply your compound at full speed. You want to um, have the compound resting on the buffer wheel and then turn it on so that it's not so that you're adding friction so it doesn't get up to speed. Um, because if you, if you let, if you just have the buffer going and you go in to put your compound on, it's going to spray it all over the place and none of it's going to get on the wheel. Um, and then after you apply the compound, turn it off and walk away for 10 minutes. Let it dry on there. It lasts longer. Um, that, those are my, those are my only thoughts on buffers. You have anything to add to that? Yeah. Unless you're in a production type situation. Yeah, it then takes they you five minutes to turn the thing off and five minutes to turn the thing back on. And, and yeah, but that's gonna... like, that's like a that's there. I mean, if you're going to use a Baldor, it's just a switch. It's just on off. It goes right on, right off. But um, uh, and you know, it's it's and if you turn it off and you want it to stop quicker, just just hold the buff your buffing compound up to it. It'll it'll break it right away. Um, and then. Uh, did you get any other questions? Those are the ones. That yes, I got. yes, 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 yes. So okay. I got um, uh, talk about the Great Eastern Cutlery Viper. Yeah. Okay, I saw that one. Which um, is? Uh, do you know which one that is? Uh-uh. Uh, hang on. A second. I'm gonna look it up you, here. No, nope, I'm gonna. I'll send you a YouTube video that'll show you a really good. Uh, show you a really good. Um, Quick okay, it's the number forty-seven Viper. If you're gonna do a Google search for it, oh, that's uh, that's identical to my uh, case letter knife. It's yeah. identical. It's the yep. same knife. Only is that a folder or is that? Yes, yes, it is. There's a video of it right there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So great. So yeah. Great Eastern makes this knife, uh-huh. and it is it is a very nice looking pattern, and it, it is. It's kind I of think ass it's, backwards, I think it's though. Bigger. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it bigger than the no, case? No, it's it. I, open, I, I mean, I don't. I don't have any experience with Great Eastern Cutlery's take on that, but uh, it feels weird and in the hand until you get the get used to it. Um, the one I have is the case desk knife. It's called, and it's mm-hmm. a fixed blade, and it it seems ass backwards, but it, it's it's awesome. I use it every week when I open my mail. Yeah. So yeah, and so this is kind of like a folding version of this, and and I'm sure yeah. that that was inspired by case. Yeah, uh, by that case knife, and um, the question is, what is what are your thoughts on it? You know, um, uh, case versus uh, Great Eastern cutlery slip joints um, is what Jesse is asking about. Comparing the two, uh, Great Eastern has many unique styles and designs. Will they take over the slip joint market? Has case gotten stagnant? Nah, and there's gonna, plenty of room. <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you that. Uh, Case is a rather large company, and they will be with us forever. Yeah, um, they 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 have established themselves as the 
as the collectible folding blade, uh, the, the collectible pocket knife, as the most collected pocket knife in the world is, is a case knife. Yep. Um, they have put things in place, i.e. the vault, to maintain their collectible status. Um, and I, I just don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Is, is the quality as good as Great Eastern? That's depends on the knife. Um, I've handled bad examples in both that probably somebody wasn't paying attention and they slipped through quality control. I don't. I don't think a dud is one. One dud is a uh, um, is a good way to judge a, a knife company uh, when it comes to that because um, they're picking thousands of freaking knives. Exactly, a day. and if one slips by, you know, it's I, I get that. Um, the what surprised me was was at the shot show a couple years back and. One of the guys handed me, and I'm not going to tell you what company this was. It was not any of the ones we've mentioned so far. Handed me a knife in a box, and he said, uh, let me know what you think about this. And I was like, okay. So I you know, put it in my bag and uh, went and actually was, it was right at the closing of our meeting. You know, and we had a real nice meeting, and, and uh, he showed me all the stuff that they were doing. And so, I, so I went to lunch with another guy who was... Uh, who was a knife dealer, who was a, a, a heavy hitter in the knife business. Now, uh-huh. he sells a ton of knives. So him and I were eating lunch, you know, and I reached in my bag, and I said, look what I got. I just uh, handed, opened it up and, and unrolled it, and I uh, opened up the blade, and I was like, holy shit, somebody didn't wash the grit out of this. And I, and I looked inside, and it literally was one that, that it was like they just finished buffing it, and it, it, it forgot to get rinsed out and cleaned before it got put in the in the in the uh, in the box so so all of the buffing compound and stuff was in the and so the minute i opened the master blade it was it was gritty it just it was like yeah i was like what the heck and i handed it to the guy i was with and he's like you know he said i've talked to these people about this before he said it's like they're they're in such a hurry he said. He said. If you. He said. What's What's really crappy about this? He says. If you take this knife and you clean it up, it'll be perfect. It'll be absolutely perfect. And all you have to do is like clean it with you know alcohol, mineral spirits, that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, clean just, it up and yeah. just clean it like you would like they should have done before it went in the box. Yeah. And and um, and so I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm. It's not going to be fair for me to beat them up over this. This is you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and. And bring bring it back to him and show him. Is this really what you want me to see? And see what he says. Yeah. And so we laughed about it. And I went back, and he was like, he was mortified that it happened. <laughs> He's like, he 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 was like, you know, he said every one of these is supposed to be inspected. I think somebody got fired over it. He said every one of these is supposed to be opened up and inspected before it gets rolled up in the paper. And and this one obviously had not been. So he was he was actually pissed, and he he reached over and he said. He just randomly grabbed another one out of that set, and he said, check this one. And so we opened it up and looked at it together, and it was fine. Yeah. But it was like one of those things that it just, every once in a while, it happens. One of them gets slipped by, they get a, 
you know, somebody might get a text message while they're on the line or something. <laughs> they're, they're supposed to be cleaning it, and they set it down for a second and went to get a cup of coffee, went to bathroom break, came back and thought that they had cleaned that one, and they didn't. You know, it, that stuff happens. I get that. Uh, so, so I don't think um, it, it's not really I – don't, I don't see anybody overtaking case in that, you know – do I see them sharing market share with other people? Yes, I do. I don't think it. I don't think it stops the case people from buying buying cases. Um, great Eastern has a great following, uh, but they're but they're not that well known yet in the in the in the in the, in the they're not breaking into the case market yet. I like them. Um, they, I, I, they I make, think it's win-win. They make great. They make great. Yeah. Oh, hey, for yeah. for the for the pocket. The pocket knife collector, they're fantastic knives. For the pocket knife user, they are fantastic knives. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoy using them. I carry I carry a couple of them. Yep. I have both Case and Great Eastern Cutlery. Uh, I love them both. Um, you know, what can I say? I, I, like I, I don't think you can go wrong either way. No, 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 no. Yeah. You know what? The big, the, the, the big companies right now... Shat and Morgan, Queen, Case, Great Eastern, all of those companies. Canal Street Cutlery. You want to see some some beautiful stuff? Yeah. Look at some Canal Street Cutlery. Here stuff. you go. Gorgeous, gorgeous Boom. stuff. Right yep. there. Yep. Exactly. I've got a Canal Street uh, Cutlery with uh, what? What is that? Is that? Would you call that amber bone? It's like halfway yeah. see through bone. Yep, a it almost color. looks like it's. It almost looks like it's. Um, I mean, through the through the the video right now, it kind of almost looks like uh, like ivory, like like and like mastodon ivory or something like. Yeah, I, I mean this. I I don't know what it is. This, this that's a pretty. That's this a pretty fucker nice. was expensive. I mean, I paid. That's a well, and that's the that. I mean, those things are hand put together. They're yeah. Th that's a um. That's a sleeve board, right? Uh, this is an elephant toe pattern. No. Yes. Absolutely, it is. Look, it's too too narrow on one end. No, that's an elephant take, toe. Take a picture of it. Uh, take okay. a picture of it. Yeah, but it's. Uh, I thought it, elephant toes are round or oval. Uh, They're equal sides. Well, sides. I, it's it it matches like identical. Well, maybe you have a point. Um, actually, hold that thought. I think I have a a, a brand new case elephant toe sitting right here. As a matter of fact, I do. You haven't opened it up yet. Uh, I did open it to inspect it, and it was gorgeous. But I'm leaving it in the box um, until I can get my hands on another one because uh, I don't want to use it. So here's the case. Yeah, you're right. Um, this one. I think that's the canal, a sleeve. Yeah, the Canal Street one. It, it's it's got the same blade shape. If yep. you look, but it's got yep. a different. Uh, the it's back it's a, yeah it, it's identical blade shape but the uh, so ma identical main blade but then it looks like the actually the the, the secondary blade was probably almost exactly two it's just that the ends yeah. where the bolsters are one is taller than the other and I think that one's yeah. called a sleeve board pattern yeah maybe that yeah because it does look like a sleeve board on an ironing mm -hmm. board mm -hmm. okay well at any rate um and they're uh, and they're nice they're yeah. very nice knives but uh, anyway the uh, so well, you know, a bunch of elephant toes on eBay right now. Really? What are they yeah. going for? Well, let's see. One hundred and thirty-four. Yeah, that's 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 a. Ever since Case opened up their vault, 
they're literally a quarter of the price that they were. Well, here's one that's that's three fifty nine. Yeah, like antique smooth bone. Yeah, usually usually they're at the uh, they're at the three and four hundred dollar price range when the vault what's, doesn't open. What's interesting? This is a uh, that is a pattern that has several different names because uh -huh. they're called they're called elephant toes or they're called sunfish. Yeah, yeah. They're called a sunfish pattern too. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so so I but I don't think anything uh um you know, th those companies right there, if you if you pick up a piece from them, you won't be dissatisfied with them. Uh every one of them is is a is a great piece. Um and it's kind of interesting because out of that out of those knives, I'm thinking that probably the comparable, like if you take a, um, I'd say, case, and um, WR case and um, Queen cutlery, yeah, are probably hitting about the same price points. Shat Morgan's might be a little bit higher. Uh -huh. When you get into the Great Easterns and the Canal Street, and those are all a little more pricey yet. Yep. Uh, for for whatever reason, it's the comparable pattern is going to be more money. I just wanted to do a quick uh, thing on the Balzano story. I was uh, I announced on the last episode that I was going to do a, a standalone episode on it, and I've talked to a ton of people, and it just got to be so much information, and a lot of it was kind of conflicting that uh, it's it would take way too much time for me to to put together a a real detailed uh, you know summary of what has kind of gone on um, just a bullet point summary um, he was a knife designer from uh, uh, California uh, prior to being a knife designer he worked in the film industry and he's got uh, IMDB uh, credits not under Balzano but under Steck S-T-E-C um, legitimate credits. Uh, he's worked on tons and tons and tons of cartoons, and uh, well, then he, he was an illustrator. Was that what he was? Yeah. An illustrator. Uh, tons and tons and tons of cartoons, and then a bunch of other kind of projects, and and uh, started this design firm, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So very complicated. You could literally go on for an hour about that. Um, and then a couple years ago, he kind of broke into the knife scene. Um, and uh, had some big blow-ups on some different forums, which is its own thing. Uh, you know, how to handle social media as a knife maker and, and that sort of thing. There's a lot of potential problems you can have, um, oftentimes it's, related to uh, the people on a site dogpiling on you and how you respond to that. Um, and he's certainly not the only knife maker that I've seen... Uh, you oh, know, it's a it's a slippery slope. Yeah, in the wrong in the wrong way, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So there's that, and then I think the main thing that got him in trouble just again bullet points here because there's so many different so many different projects and so many different things. Um, 
one of the main things he did wrong as far as customers go is taking money up front. And a lot of times he would take money from uh, people well in advance of ever even starting on a project. So not having materials, not having a place to make it, these sorts of things. So, I mean, bullet points, that's kind of what bad I... Bad thing. So, yeah. Bad, and bad way to do business. So the, the moral of the story, really, um, because I just am out of time for, to deal with it, and I don't want to waste any more of my time on the guy, is that he had some really, really, I thought, really interesting designs, um, really visually attractive designs, that, um, but not, not necessarily the ability to turn those designs into knives. And uh, not necessarily the right uh, skill set to be able to deal with customers at the same time. So, right, you know, and, I, that, and what's what's interesting about that is some date in the future may or may not happen, but a lot of times it does. He may dial in with some company that makes his designs, right. You know, because because those because those designs were fairly attractive. Yeah, I, mean, I I concede that he he had some nice looking knives that he was that he designed. Yeah, well, and then and then the other thing is is um, you know, he's currently in jail, um, but but life is long, and he may come back, and I hope he does because he. My thing after after reading everything and talking to all these different people, if he just had somebody else make the knives rather than trying to be a knife maker and designer, he would have been fine. Right. You know, that's that's the thing is that I, I don't know what it is. Like knife designers, or some of them at least, want to be thought of as knife makers. Mm-hmm. I would rather be a knife designer <laughs> than, <Yeah. ever, laughs> than, than deal with making knives. If, if there was a company that would just make my designs... I would never. I, I mean, I would just wash my hey, hands of the whole mess. <laughs> wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think that that would be a business uh, model? That would be the one. You don't have to invest in anything. All you have to do is sit down and and figure out. Well, no, no, no. I mean, uh, the um, uh, the knife maker that wants to make other people's designs. Yeah, w- there wouldn't be a whole huge amount of satisfaction in it, but uh, there are companies that do that already. We know a couple. Yeah. Prototype um, stuff. Yeah, and and uh, even some production stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the, and then there are there are different makers that'll do that. That'll pair up with a designer and do stuff. I, but uh, you know, the, to me, the the real gig is to be the designer and not have to do the work. <laughs> right. Do right, the intellectual right. work and not the physical work. Although it is, I do I do enjoy grinding knives. I don't enjoy grinding six of the same knife. You know. I I, I want to do one and be done with it and move on. Yeah, and move so, on. I, you know, I think I was going to do a big thing on it. I'm not now. I apologize to people who were looking forward to that, but I just am not going to put a huge amount more effort into that. Um, when basically the the bo- the the bottom line is just don't take money up front. Number two. If you're buying a knife from someone or buying anyone from some anything from someone, do not let them talk you into doing the PayPal gift option. Okay? 
um, you will have no recourse if if uh, you can't you know have a dispute if they don't deliver the knife or you don't like it or whatever. So don't do that. Um, and and uh, actually, quite a few of the people I talked to, they they kind of got caught in that trap. So you know, as a as a buyer, that's interesting, right? Um, the other thing as a buyer is just uh, you know just be careful. Um, just because somebody says they can do something doesn't mean they necessarily can. And and especially with a new designer, make sure they have the product in hand ready to ship to you before you give them the money. Not, I'll have it in a week, not, I'll have it in a month. It is done. It is ready to put in a box and send to you. Then you send the money. Right. You know, here, here, you know the thing is, is like everybody, everybody has this. This is why Hillary Clinton, and we'll talk about this later, but this is why Hillary Clinton is able to get away with saying that businesses don't create jobs. Because here's the thing. She she gets away with it because what people don't understand is is the product has to be paid for by somebody before the customer is ever involved. So so if I have a knife company and I want to make uh, 500 knives, I have to come up with the money to make all the knives, buy all the equipment, do all of that, hire all of the people before there's ever customer number one. Okay, so um, you little witch, businesses do create jobs by by uh, taking risk. And that's what we try to do in this country is is reward people who have good ideas and are willing to put their own money on the line to fi- finance them. Okay, and I'm, I'm so sorry that I had to break that to you, but guess what? You're wrong, you witch. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so, but people are able to fool the average person because the average person doesn't understand that. They just see the business and they see like widgets coming out of there and they don't understand that somebody had to put something at risk every time there's a product made. You pay for the production before production begins and before the product is sold. That's business. That's the essence of capitalism. That's what you try to reward and that's why we don't mind so much when somebody makes a great product, sells it for a bunch of money and retires rich. Um because if, if so unless you reward thing. that, you don't have the product. And it's if you think it thing. should be elsewhere, you know, if you think you should get a share in the profits, then pony up the fucking money. You know, if you if you think you should, you know, because you work at uh, Bob's Burger Stand, you should get a share of uh, whatever profits from that instead of just your wages. Okay, fine. Um, give me five hundred dollars to buy, uh, you know, a. a 250 pounds of meat that we're going to need to make those burgers and then i'll give you a share um pay for uh give me give me 300 for the utility bill that it's going to take to do that and another 500 for rent you want to do that no you don't have the money well guess what go cry on somebody else's fucking shoulder that's how it works and that's why the person who puts up the money gets the profits you want the profits go put your own money up your labor is worth what you get paid for your labor and nothing else. And and that's that, I mean that's in the end I don't know what else I can say about Belzano. <laughs> I think that's enough. I think I just yeah. pissed enough people off, but um let's talk about Walking Dead. So, um tomorrow Walking morning Walking Dead
tomorrow morning, you're uh, you're in The Walking Dead. You're in the same setting. You're in Georgia. It's hot. Uh, you have a you're the sheriff. What do you do? Um, you didn't um, get shot. It's just shit goes to hell. Yep. Well, let's see. The first thing I do is uh, look around and go, oh, obviously there's zombies here, and start, you know, having uh, my heyday of chopping heads off and stabbing them, <laughs> stabbing people in the face and shooting people. In the- no, I'm just teasing. Um, actually, you know, I, I've wrestled with that a lot. I think that that would be very traumatizing to, to have that just automatically thrust on you. Right. Um, and, and just, just the fact that all of a sudden you've got things, creatures walking around that can, that want to eat you <clears throat> is, is pretty disheartening. Um, I think my first form of, my first thing would be obviously, uh, get some kind of protection perimeter, of some kind so that you can move somewhere to safety, regroup, and then really try to formulate a plan of where you want to go or what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, in the process, gathering up people that are obviously haven't become a zombie yet and uh, people that are weaponized and people that are uh, can, can uh, uh, step up to the plate and do the, and do what needs to be done. Because I think that as much as we want to say, oh, it would be really easy just to start, you know, using a katana and start whacking people's heads off. I think when you start thinking about what you're actually doing, um, it would take a little bit for you to actually disconnect from the fact that you're standing in front of somebody that looks real similar to a human being. Mm-hmm. And so I think mentally you're going to have a hard time with that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you would you'd you'd basically fall back, regroup. Figure out some kind of a plan. Figure out some kind of weapon systems that 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 you can use that are very effective. Um, figure out some kind of mode of transportation, whether it be uh, my first choice would be like a Bradley vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like civilian vehicles. Yeah, you're so, going to well, be stuck I, with for a while. Whatever, basically, yeah. whatever you can get and whatever gas you can get. Right. Yep. 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 And uh, and then figure out a place to go where you think you could be safe, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and then start then start trying to figure out you know try to gather up as many people and try to build some kind of an army that can fight back. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, it's it's kind of I mean when you think about the the daunting task of what you're up against. Um, no grocery stores or, you know, um, grocery stores are going to get be in shambles. I mean, it depends on how many people turn. Before too long, you've, you're going to become an extremely good scavenger yeah. or die, or die, one of the two. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a, that's a, that's a, actually a, a, an interesting, it's kind of an interesting, uh, set of circumstances that you're that you'd be addressing i mean it's not like a natural disaster where you know where you still where you're not actually shooting people or you're not actually you know because your neighbors would be would be part of that evil horde too yeah and nobody can really figure out why it happens or how or how it happens 
what do you use for your uh, weapon of choice barring firearm? So besides a firearm, what are you going to... Because a firearm, well, the thing is, it's there's only going to be so much ammo. I think I would. I think I would actually opt for a some kind of a pike, some kind of a some kind of a um, uh, a short, um, like I don't want to say sword cane, but some kind of some kind of a sword. I think would be effective. Um, you know, Michonne is. You met Michonne. Yeah, yeah. She's she's very effective with her katana. Uh -huh. um, I think that a um, a sword like that would be very effective. I think a uh, I think a, a some kind of a like a cold steel um, uh, shovel. Okay. I think would be would be very effective. Um, I, anything that you use, you have to be able to stab and not get it stuck. And it has to go into their through. The, and the other thing about the show that is not a hundred percent realistic is they're stabbing knives through the skull, and the, it's a one-hit thing, and the knife never skids off the skull. Um, right. That's now, not that's not how it works. That, now, and I and I thought of that first thing. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is how they get around that is by saying that maybe when this happens, their bones become softer. Mm, yeah, maybe, but but still, even even still, I don't think it's going to be that much softer. Yeah. Um, have you have you noticed how nobody's really concerned about infection yet? Yeah. I kind of got I kind of get a kick out of that too. It's like they're all worried about zombies, but they're not really worried about staph infections or not taking a bath for a month. <laughs> okay, so so here's what I thought. Um, obviously, I I was looking to find other trustworthy people. Because there, right. there are dirt bags in the series. Um, so you're looking for other trustworthy people who aren't just trying to be like the biggest uh, criminal on the block. You know, because that's not, that's not any kind of a sustainable right. thing. You know, sooner or later you're going to end out of, run out of victims. Um, and then, then what do you do? Um, so obviously find other people but here's here's what i thought one of the main problems they have is they have these surges of zombies coming through uh in a straight line and they just overrun whatever the hell it is um so as soon as as soon as i found a place and got it got it set up the first thing i would do is find another place and start setting it up right um the other mistakes that they have is they they don't have protocols in place for if we get split up go to this place if right. that place is overrun go to this place they need to have it written down um you know 10 possible meetup points you go to this one then this one then this one then this one then this one and what i would do is i would basically get get the first camp set up get it stocked cash supplies see i don't think they do near enough time spend near enough time um, rating and, right. uh, and I'm not talking about scavenging, yeah, right. I'm not talking about rating living people. I'm talking about the, the, how all these houses and places they pass rating and then caching supplies at, at, at various, at various points, you know? So, um, you know, so, and it's interesting because so far they're not really going anywhere. 
I mean, if you notice that the yeah, first they stay the first two seasons, they're not really they're not really trying to like a, they haven't formulated a plan of, of of what they. I mean, it's like they're just trying to stay alive, and and they're just yeah. like the day to day just got to stay alive today. And it doesn't seem like and and I I don't think like that. I no matter how bad it gets, I'm always thinking about you know down the road. You know what? Yeah. What, you know, there's got to be something at the end of the tunnel here, and it's it, it's got to be a little more than living hand to mouth, right? And then and, that, and, and and like I was saying, um, I, as soon as I got one place set up uh, and uh, caches set in around that place, I would set the next place up, and as soon as I got that one set up, I would set the next place up, and I would just build a big, huge, long series of little camps. And if if another group of humans comes in and uses the camp, fine. You know, um, but but if if you if your place gets overrun by one of these straight line things, you automatically have another place to go. You know, and and don't build them all in a straight line. Build them, build build one, build another one, and then go ninety degrees perpendicular to that path, and build another one, and then ninety degrees, and just keep zigzagging so that they can't possibly all be hit by a straight line. You know that that's what, and have them be. You know, within a hour to walking distance, and don't don't make it so that you have to depend on having a usable car to get there. And the other thing is, is you got to have you got to have supplies cashed in in case you are on foot and you can't be carrying like, you know, all the food that you're going to need and all the stuff. And I think that's one of the main mistakes they've made is they just have not they have not dedicated the amount of time they need to 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 pilfering and to having backup um, places to go. Right. But And but as far as weapon, I know what I would use. Okay? Uh, if if I if I was in that situation and they behaved like they behave, uh, I would make a, an axe, but on the back of an axe, uh, on the back of an axe, uh, have a spike. Um, and have it, have it not be super heavy, you know, so that it can be swung really quickly. Or just have, or just have a instead of an axe, just have that spike, so that you can just uh, just pop it right into their head like that. And then on the other end of the handle, have a have another have another thing. Have it have the handle and the whole tool be long enough that you can use it more or less as a walking stick. So you you can put some distance between yourself and and whatever it is that's attacking you. But I think that right. having that spike to poke a poke the hole into the head is what you're going to need there. Well, and what I was always worried about with the, cause I have spiked tomahawks too. And I always thought that that would be a good weapon that what happens if the tomahawk gets stuck? You know, you'd want something that was, well, that have, was it, have it not be a long, long, thin spike. Have it be a tapering spike. Yeah. So, so that it, it comes out real. Yeah. So that it can't, so that if you pull up it, the diameter will automatically be smaller than the hole. Yeah, so it will tip out easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and that then, was, and that doesn't have to be your only weapon, but I think that would be very useful. And then, mm -hmm. like like you said, some sort of a very fast swinging slicing sword. Yeah, yeah, but and anyway. a suppressed twenty two. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but but uh, you know what's interesting as the as the show evolves. What you find out, what you figure out is that they are shooting zombies considerably less because 
they're saving their bullets for people. Yeah, for, for real. For, for raider, for, you know, for bad guys. For the th that can think. <clears throat> yes. Um, so I got on the, uh, I was on the phone this morning. Uh, another thing that happened, like at five in the morning, uh, Corey Murphy called me. <laughs> ah! <laughs> nice. So he's uh, part of uh, uh, the TM Hunt uh, custom knives business. And he called me and we were talking and uh, he said that, he he pretty much and he's basically the way I am now. He pretty much only buys a knife if he likes the maker cuz he can pretty much make all of them. Mhm. Mm and uh I'm pretty much that way. And the only knife I really want to buy right now that's a fixed blade. Guess which one? Daryl's knife. <laughs> I so want to buy that bussy <laughs> team. Why don't you make knife. that? Make what? one. Make one of those. I can't do the fuller as well. And plus, I'd like to have the one from the original company. Like, the, you know, that's the thing is, like, I could easily make um, seven hundred dollars on eBay. What, Team Gemini? Yeah, you can buy that on uh, Bussy's site right now for three hundred eighty-seven bucks. I bet you there's a wait. Oh, uh, there may be, but you'll get it. Um, usually, usually when I've bought from them before, it's uh it's not a huge wait. It's uh it's not that long. But um. Yeah, so I don't know, that's really the only fixed blade I'd like to buy cuz imagine if you'd bought a uh an original um Jimmy Lyle uh Rambo first blood knife. Imagine that if you had that yeah. how much that'd be worth, the original one. The new ones are selling for $2500. Okay, so Bussy Team Gemini Light Brigade knife same as Daryl uses from Walking Dead 590 or best offer. In a sheath, eight seventy-five or best offer. Uh, here's one with a leather. Oh, this is the leather build. A Team Bussy Walking Dead Custom Zombie Sheath, seven ninety-nine. Okay, so on the on the uh, Bussy site, the Team Gemini Light Brigade is three hundred and eighty-seven bucks. Is there a wait? Um, I mean, there must be a huge wait. Otherwise, these guys wouldn't be asking this kind of money for. Here's one for a thousand dollars. I don't know. There's probably some weight, but I don't know. I like that knife I, because Daryl uses it. And he's really <laughs> the only character I like, and I think that I don't like Carl. But let's just come right out with that. Yeah, you were saying you were saying that. <laughs> My wife doesn't either. It, he was worse in the first season. He's better in the second season, but he's. It's interesting to watch him evolve. I, I okay. I reserve ships. judgment because I reserve judgment because I see I see the. The evolution of all the characters, not just not just that kid. Yeah. All the characters evolve in the process. And and that's I think that's the intriguing part of the whole show is the fact that they were able to write that really well where they pull from human nature how how people actually change and their environment actually changes them. And I think that that's what they've done a really good job with, with, with the story. I mean, you know, you take the, the, uh, you take the environment, which would be the zombies, uh -huh. um, and look at, you can actually see how this set of parameters changes people that would normally be, you know, quiet, 
reserve, uh, don't step out of line. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, it raises the bar to the point where they have to perform a certain way or die. Yeah, and and it's how they, it's how they deal with it emotionally. Because they don't have the barriers put up that a lot of people have already done over the years. Uh, it's I think it's I think it's a pretty well done show. I mean, in and I think five seasons is is uh, the reason for it. I mean, you can tell that it, that a lot of people think that because it's on for five seasons now. Yep. Or six seasons. So these uh, these uh, their wait list is four to fourteen weeks for these. So. Um, that's that's all I know. <laughs> Four to uh, fourteen. That seems like a odd. Yep. Huh. But uh, pretty pretty cool though. Yeah, it's I'm I'm one of these times I'm going to pull the trigger on ordering one of those. Um. Anyway, so that's what I thought. Uh, anything else? Politics. Okay, Dude, everybody. Been... Um. We've given you a pretty good uh, time of uh, knife chat here. Yeah, like an hour and 30 minutes. I'm uh, using my NPR voice to let you know that we care about you. (laughs) And uh, we're real happy that you listened. If you don't want to hear politics, you'd best be advised to step out the back now. And uh, you were warned. And we will see you on the next episode. And... Freeze. Okay, let's go. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, it's uh, obviously so, the election was was Tuesday, and uh, and the Republicans swept like shit through a tin horn. Yeah, it, it's uh, for the Democrats. It's uh, got to be uh, darker than a raccoon's asshole right now. You know what was? You know what was? Uh, what, what I thoroughly enjoyed on Wednesday morning. I just ate, I just was just ecstatic. Uh-huh. While I was watching MSNBC, <laughs> <laughs> MSNBC, CBS, all of those stations that are that have been carrying the Democrats' water for all this time have been were, have been making excuses as to why this is happening. Mm-hmm. They couldn't understand it. They they just cannot get their head wrapped around the fact that this shit ain't working. And 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 you know, I, and this prompted some other political discussion that has been uh, leading up to this. I mean, I, I, I'm not ashamed to say I vote Republican, um, and actually, I didn't vote a, a straight ticket. Uh-huh. Um, every every regent, every state eight state university regent, um, I voted for a libertarian, <laughs> which is which is kind of a funny deal, but. Um, I, I think that the problem that we, that we have, and, and the Republicans don't want to get their head wrapped around this, is the fact that pretty much almost everybody that's in office 
right now that's a Republican um, is going to get us to the same place the Democrats were going to take us. It just might take a little bit longer. <laughs> and that, and and I I know that that's probably something that a lot of people don't want to hear, but the fact of the matter is we should be doing our best to try to limit our government. And and the Republicans are when it comes to limiting government, the Republicans are just as bad as the Democrats. Um they're, 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 they don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, what was the first thing? Now we can get something done. Well, what the fuck do you need to do? You don't need to do it. You don't need to do You need to start undoing shit. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's that's the reality of it. You need to start fucking undoing shit. Because you've done it to the point where it's killing us. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. You need to unfuck this mess. And And I think one of my suggestions was... We need to be starting to reach out to the libertarians and saying, hey, guys, let's band together. <laughs> let's take some of your ideals and our ideals and let's work together and get us unfucked. There are certain things that we need to have. We need to have strong borders. We need to have a strong military and strong, and, and we need to be secure. We need to have a strong economy and we need to be fucking independent from uh, energy independent. And I'm not saying that solar and wind is not the answer. I'm just saying let us fucking drill. Yeah. Let us drill until we can get the technology to make the solar and the wind work. But unbridle us. Let us run. And and that's an issue. And I think that, you know, the only way we're going to ever... The Republicans aren't going to do it either. You know, I mean, I'm sorry to all my Republican brethren... But you should really pay attention to what people have been voting for the, for the past freaking 20 years. And you'll see, you'll notice the trend. Um, they're, not, they're not voting to limit government. Hmm. Anyways. But besides that, we control the House and Senate now. And so now there's that other pitfall that we can get into which is we're not going to get anything passed. They're not going to get anything repealed because Obama's going to just pen sign it. Yeah. You know, I mean, the reality of it is if, he, if they were smart, I think that they would work on immigration and the border right now and, and, and start trying to get the pipeline passed, get rid of the, you know, tell the EPA to lighten up on these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let let the pipeline go through, and and start getting our economy rolling, and then start seriously working on the border before Nung Skull decides that he's gonna write his take his little pen. And it it was kind of funny because I heard this morning he doesn't even need a cell phone anymore because nobody will take his calls. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> I know it, and uh, and uh, and then. You know, get get that get this immigration issue addressed. I don't want to have 15 million illegal aliens become citizens. Well, that I think they not, can become citizens if they if they go through it like everybody else does. That means they got to get out of the country. Well, you know, it's not fair to all the people from all the other countries that that apply and uh, and do things. Uh, you know, according to the books. 
you know, it's not fair to them to have a bun to have 15 million people basically jump the line. Right. Um, and then what? What's going to happen when those 15 million people all go and get a job? Because believe it or not, most of them want to work. You know. Uh. And they're they're not competing for your uh, high end computer programming job. They're competing for the kind of the average guy job. You know they're gonna. What happens every time that happens is they price a lot of people out of employment. Um, you know, so it's a very complicated issue. But you know, people really need to think. Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm working construction and I'm making twenty five bucks an hour. And there's a guy that'll do it for 18 and be damn happy to get the 18. You know, you want that to happen, you know? And I don't know. Do you really think do you really think that um if you had okay, let's let's say tomorrow I can wave my magic wand and every illegal now got to listen to this carefully. Every illegal alien is out of the country. Can wave my magic wand and they're all gone. They're all back to Mexico. Every single one of them. The place would be a ghost town. <laughs> okay. In the same magic wand thing, you say, okay, guys, there's all these jobs here that need to be done. No more welfare. You mm-hmm. want a job? Here's a job picking lettuce. You want a job? Here's a job picking cherries. You want a job? Here's a job picking onions, mowing lawns, doing whatever it is that, that they were doing that we can't live with, seem to live without. All of those jobs are open. Is there is there a is there a, a correlation between the amount of people on welfare and the amount of illegal aliens in this country that we're missing? I and no I'm asking idea. the question. I don't know. I'm asking the question. I don't. Oh, I, I don't think know. I think I think the problem is is that we've basically now established the thing that you don't have to work in this country if you don't want to we will no matter what we will make sure that you're taken care of so you don't have to work if you don't want to um you know so like once you've kind of established that uh the first person who says okay no mas uh they're going to get all of these people that are dependent on that uh on oprah and then all of the you know people that watch Oprah are going to get all up in arms, and the media is going to attack the shit. I mean, I, I think the cat's out of the bag on that, dude. You know, I wish it wasn't, but I do think it is. I think the cat's out of the bag. Okay, so so I'm thinking like the zombie apocalypse and Walking Dead. <laughs> Guess what? They're going to have to evolve or get eaten. <laughs> well, you know, I just I don't think that realistically. As much as I would like to see people who can work work, um, we have basically, as a country, decided that you don't have to work if you don't want to. That that's okay. Um, you will be just fine if if you decide you don't want to work for whatever reason. Um, you just don't feel like it. Okay, you can live the same life as everybody else. And I think that that's a decision that we've come to, and and once you've done that, and it's basically got wide, widespread uh, cultural acceptance, you know, I think you're screwed, dude. <laughs> I don't think you can do that without changing the culture. You can't just write a law 
and and expect uh, expect for that to work. But, uh, well, that's pretty much summing up what happens in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, that is when you when you think about the about this that some kind of event that changes the way we think about ourselves and and the what we can do. That's the kind of life-changing event that we're headed for. Well, I, I, the other thing is, is I don't think it's sustainable to have, um, it, it has never been sustainable in the history of the world, and it will never be sustainable in the history of the world to have a few people work and most people loaf. Correct. You know, um, it's, it's also has never been sustainable in the history of the world and never will be sustainable in the history of the world to have the government plan everything. Correct. You want to know what happened when uh, the central government of the USSR planned uh, the crops and who was going to plant what where and all these sorts of things? It was called 50 Years of Bad Weather. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so... You laugh, but it's really true. true. It is they, true. You know, it was like, well, the weather was bad this year. Next year, it'll be better. And it was bad for 50 years. And millions and millions and millions of people starved to death. Okay? <laughs> like, yep. I, I, do, you think that, do you think that Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid know more about where to plant crops and things like that than a farmer does who owns the land and lives on the land? Nope. Right. Do you think, do you think they know more than... Um, than your doctor does, who's who's sitting there in the room with you and sees you and has has uh, decades of of training and experience behind them nope. to 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 help you come to a better decision. You think Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid know that? Well, nope. they do. They do think they are, they know better because they're so much smarter than everyone. And that's that's the fallacy and that's the trap that we've run into in this country and we've given them more and more and more power power because people they're promising people goodies and by and large they're able to deliver on the goodies now you know but is it's not sustainable long term do you think do you think that that is a do you think that that's a um an example of dunning kruger's effect Explain. Um, it's when people that don't know how to do stuff think that they know how to do stuff, and people that know how to do stuff underestimate what they can do. And when you're in either either class, usually it's like the well, the Wikipedia is um, the Dunning Kruger effect is a cognitive bias manifesting in two principal ways. Unskilled individuals tend to suffer from illusionary superiority, mistakenly rating their ability much higher than is accurate, while highly skilled individuals tend to rate their ability lower than is accurate. In unskilled individuals, this bias is attributed to metacognitive inability of the unskilled to recognize their ineptitude. Skilled individuals tend to underestimate their relative competence, erroneously assuming that tasks which are easy for them are also easy for others. See, I think that's a perfect example of that. They believe that they know better than guys that are actually doing the job. 
I don't know. Whether... I'm just an average guy from Iowa. <laughs> no, I don't you? I mean, it, it's like you just described it. You just basically said, do you think that these guys think that they can, and they do, they believe that they can, they know more about farming than, well, look. They know better I mean, what crops to plant on your land from 1,500 miles away than you exactly. know living well, think there about, year-round. Think about this. Back in the 80s, mid-80s, there was all of these, I mean, the 80s were horrible for agriculture in America. Horrible, yeah. horrible time. Many, many farms were going out of business. And, and, and there were movies that were popping up. Um, the River, and yeah. there was a couple other, you know, about farm wives. And so Congress took, um, had, had hearings about farming. Uh-huh. You know, congressional hearings about farming. You know who they had come and speak at those hearings? The actresses and the actors from the movies that they, <laughs> I, and I shit you not. I, th- that's, Freaking honest to God, no bullshit fact. <laughs> so, so here you have you have Congress being told, given information by actresses and actors, because they couldn't possibly have gotten the information from the source of the guys who were actually pulling tits and actually freaking. And for all you people that don't know, pulling tits is a term for milking cows. And pl- and planting crops, so they got they got freaking actors to do it. <laughs> Guys that played in the fucking movie, somehow or another, a woman that played a farmer's wife in a movie somehow can equate can can uh, demonstrate her not even demonstrate can can uh, uh, share her thoughts and her emotions and her. Just like a farm wife could have. Just like somebody that, that was actually part of a working dairy farm. It was so insulting to me, I couldn't even imagine it. And this shit happens every fucking day over there. This shit happens in Congress all the time. You know, they'll get somebody that knows nothing about what it is that they're, they're talking about. And they'll put them in charge. And they'll put them in charge. <laughs> because he was a freaking fundraiser he can be the head of the cdc yeah well i don't know i'm just an average guy from iowa what do i know (laughs) anyway i've got uh somebody at the door uh i have to make dinner um what are you making okay so i'm going to describe for you um our mutual friend ethan becker okay uh taught me how to make this you and i'm i so i have a freezer full of uh pork from hamilton mm-hmm. um, my pig was named hamilton okay and uh so i'm gonna i've got thawing uh a pork loin from him nice and what you do is you take your pork loin and you put salt and pepper on there uh and uh, and i rub it with a little bit of olive oil just a little bit not much olive oil salt pepper and uh you take uh um lemon and zest it on there and i have you seen those micro mm-hmm. planers so yep, i use yep. a micro planer to uh zest uh lemon on there so you get a little lemon peel on there not a huge amount and then squeeze just a little bit of lemon juice over it and then you roast that in the oven until it reaches an internal temperature of about about uh 
160 and I roasted it 350 and it is fabulous and I'm having uh, my uh, mashed potatoes secret recipe that my girls are crazy about it's just you make mashed potatoes and you put uh, a little butter a little sour cream and a little cream cheese and a little onion powder and a little garlic powder in there and they just they just love it and I'm nice. having uh, gravy and uh, we got some fresh cranberries from the store and I'm having some of my homemade sauerkraut with that. Nice. Yep. Hey, did you, uh, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Hanging out. <laughs> you, you ought to come up and be the part of my crowd. I would, um, but uh, I think they're uh, they're planning on having us host our Thanksgiving here. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm teasing, of course, you're more than welcome to come. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you wanted to, you're more than welcome. Um, I am having... 24 people for dinner yeah yeah that's about that's about what we do (laughs) 24 freaking i mean i love them all and i like this i i do i'm doing two turkeys and um i'm i'm doing my charcuterie platter thing i'm 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 all excited about that um 15 pounds of meat curing nice and and drying i'm all excited I like Thanksgiving. I've always liked Thanksgiving. I like that holiday a lot. Um, And I usually end up uh, hosting holidays now. Um, So, you know, whatever. Good, bad, or or indifferent. Yeah. I I don't mind. Um, And I I like being at my own house better than I like driving to somebody else's with three kids. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, so it's all is I your know. is your um, are you making any? Uh, you got any bacon from Hamilton? I have uh, his whole pork belly, and I have half of the pork belly from my pig last year. Is it is it curing right now? No, are I'm you, waiting until it? the temperature in the basement is consistently um, below sixty. Okay, so another month. Yeah, I watched a video the other night about uh, from University of Kentucky about um, about ham. Uh-huh. About country country ham. Yeah, we talked about this on the last podcast. Oh, did we? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, then I guess we're done. If we're starting to repeat ourselves, then we're done. <laughs> Probably better. <laughs> I got uh, my uh, grandmother and aunt just came over. They were supposed oh. to be here in about another half hour, but they're early. Yeah. So they're early. Okay. Well, then you go visit with them, and we will catch up with you on the on the flip flop. Yep. Um, like us on Facebook, knifejournal.com. Visit us on the forums, um, podcast at knifejournal.com. You can message us on Facebook. We're readily available. Um, all I got is keep your knife sharp and your friends sharper. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>